Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Prestalka, and I am excited today. <laughs> Chuck Cox had with me today, and we are going to be talking about something that I am very passionate about, and that is how you can build a great business by really understanding your target market and delivering something that others simply can't with the, the operations behind you. So Chuck, welcome. Glad oh, to have you here. Thanks, Damon. I'm so glad to be here. You are a busy guy and I just love the opportunity to get some of your time to be able to chat like this. Oh, uh, it's it's so fun. You know, when we when we got to talk a while back, you explained to me something about a company we'll talk about a little bit and and two, then the college where you went to school. I mean both both engineers it's it's a good you know this could get this could get pretty nerdy pretty fast but but we'll uh we'll keep it we'll keep it uh, uh i guess normal crowd friendly if we can uh, and, <laughs> yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about your background first of all chuck i kind of like to give give people a flavor mm -hmm. from uh you know what what you've done a little bit of and then we'll start mm -hmm. working through some of the some of the things we discussed sure thing so I'm, uh, I went to Lehigh University. I'm an industrial engineer um, by education. And um, I very quickly, as a lot of industrial engineers do, you very quickly find yourself uh, in manufacturing. Yeah. And, and I work for in the industrial rotating equipment company. Um, you know, I was working on um, in chemical, you know, working on products for chemical factories, that sort of thing. I had a secret wow. clearance for, you know, um, Navy vessels to be able to put rotating equipment on it. And um, it progressed from there. And I have been a 30 year plus manufacturing professional, but I've had a, what someone recently helped me to understand a nonlinear career. Yeah, I've done so many different things in manufacturing organizations, you know, so from I, I started out you know, product engineering manager, and I rolled out computer-aided drawing and manufacturing software for them early on, you know, and um, then I went into, you know, and I went, it was on the shop floor doing CNC programming, a big, huge, uh, you know, uh, horizontal mill, and um, then from, you know, from there, after getting my fill on that industrial engineering, I actually went to a different company and started in sales. Dad said, yeah. Chuck, you got a personality for it. He didn't know anything about sales, but you got a personality for it. And I said, hmm, all right, Dad. I gave it a shot, um, did that, moved out to Chicago, got promoted, um, but it wasn't really for me. And I wanted high tech. I wanted high tech. So I found the biggest opportunity in the world at that time. We all know the big companies in the stock market in 1997 and 98, it was Lucent Technologies. And I was. Yep on helping build and uh, develop the lasers, not myself, but on the development team to basically power the internet backbone. And um, that parlayed into more manufacturing, and that was you know, the manufacturing and development team um, that 
you know, went into high frequency RF signals where I have been in sales and marketing. And then I was running a manufacturing company um, where I was responsible for everything, finance, people, you know, um, yeah. you know, sales, marketing, uh, inventory, shipping, the whole nine yards. And now I'm here. I did a couple other things along the way in sales and marketing, worked for a company in Ireland. Here I am working for ProSensus now. I'm having the time of my life. So it's very yeah. nonlinear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the background, I mean, what what it does, I think, when you see people that have nonlinear backgrounds, not only from positions within manufacturing, but also industry sectors and types of companies, sizes of companies, is, is you have a much broader view of the world or the ecosystem that you work in. And I think that's a real benefit to wherever you go in mm-hmm. the fact that you've seen how the great big companies doing it. You've seen how the smaller companies do it. You've seen how they do it in different industries and you can put the best of all into where you're at now. Yeah. Well, and even the cross-functional responsibility when, you know, so much of my time I've spent selling to design engineers. Yes. I've lived the design engineering role. Okay. I've, I've had design engineering people working for me. So I can sort of live, what they've lived. Uh, I've lived in an operations role. So when I'm working with those folks, I understand what some of their challenges may be. Um, Yeah. And I've been a user uh, of a lot of different technology, like say right down on the shop floor. Heck, I used to drive a forklift, you know, warehouse related business now. Well, I spent, you know, Christmas breaks driving forklifts and loading trucks. I probably wasn't allowed. I didn't have a cert back then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We put in a lot of late nights loading a lot of trucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's no doubt. That's no yeah. doubt. Yeah, uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So along the way, you know that when we were talking, first of all, Lehigh University. It's a beautiful little university. I just love it. I was. I you know, it's so funny that I was to the one university on the East Coast that you went to, and mm-hmm. I saw that it was kind of it was it was an interesting fact. But it's a beautiful place up there. I just love it. Just love it. So that's cool. But when we were talking, you talked about a company that you had worked at. It was Coaxis. Mm-hmm. And you were in there. And really, this is something that I've I've been fortunate enough to be able to do. But while you were there, you really understood that there was a market need. And you basically went back and rebuilt the organization to solve that market need. And can you kind of explain? And, and some people that that have not experienced this before won't understand what I'm really saying right now. So can you kind of explain to someone that, that hasn't been through this before mm-hmm. how you got to that process and just decided that, Hey, let's redo our operations to do this. So the cool part, you know, with every one of these things, it's not a one man thing. Um, the owner of the yeah. company is, uh, was a still my friend today. I talked to him this week, even though I've been gone for a year. Nice. And, um, you know, it's um, you have to have an incredible sponsor that believes, you know, and have similar values. I've been blessed to have that many times in my career. Um, and, you know, he was done. He had this, built this beautiful, successful business. We made they make RF cables. Yeah. Uh, it's an RF cable. It's uh, it's made for high frequency signals. Um, you use them on the back of your cable box if you still have one. OK, <laughs> connecting from the cable company to but. That's actually what he used to do. He used to work in his cable TV market, which a lot mm-hmm. of that business migrated offshore. Yeah. So this fellow was realized that he needed to change his business. So he began to hire some people that gave him some talent in a different aspect of that business. 
And um, crazy guy thought he wanted me in that team too. So uh, I came there and, you know, his role really was, his goal really was to, you know, bring folks on, take it in a little new direction, but he was going to take a part-time role. And, and that's a really important part of the story. Yes. Um, because uh, when we were done with it, he didn't want to be part-time anymore. We made it really exciting again. You know, and that yeah. cable that sticks out of the back of, in the back of your cable box, it's not all that exciting. It's yeah. just boring. Yeah. Um, but we made the business exciting again for him. And don't get me wrong, believe me, he was there every day. Mm-hmm. But what we recognized is that you – what was lacking in the business in that industry is availability. These cables, they break and they break at the worst times, the very worst times. Yes. Um, and so now somebody's stuck or they forget one. They might be using 600 of them and they yeah. forget the one that's 13 inches long and they got a delivery to make and they're stuck. And the lead times in the business are eight, 12 weeks or more. Wow. Now you got a guy who wasn't in this aspect of this business, this this you know different part of this of a similar market. How do you get noticed? Yeah, you, it's really hard. You have to have some sort of comparative advantage where you're doing something innovative and better than everyone else. So we recognize, plain and simple, that that is about speed. Um, speed is more important in this case than price. Uh, it's, it's in some cases, it's more important than performance. And this is a very performance based business. That's kind of blast for me to say that blast for me yeah. for to say that. But in some cases, it really was. But we said, if we can come up with a way to get these faster than anybody in the world. OK, we can really make something here. Well, you can get these things from distribution. They can ship the same day mm-hmm. and you can get them in 12 inches and you can get them, you know, in six inches and you can get them in 18 inches. But what if you need 11? You can't get them anywhere. Yeah. It takes eight or 12 weeks or whatever it took. Yeah. yeah. So we said, well, what if we could do that and we could make these things custom order and we could ship them? And I pos- I postulated, I want them to ship in two days. Yeah. Custom made. You give me an order, I'm going to ship it in two days. And they have not missed a shipment. We started that in 2014. They have not missed already 48 shipments. Now, yeah. and that kind of set the world on fire. This guy was, this company was nobody in this aspect of this RF cable space. Nobody knew who they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, we coupled it with something else too. So we made this awesome tool. Like he, you know, I'm, I basically, I created a, a custom configurator so that they yeah. could do whatever they wanted. Um, it's something that honestly, it was extremely innovative because I could have patented it, but I didn't want to expose the code. And yeah. people have tried to copy it and can't. Yeah. Came up with a way of doing that. And they can literally build this thing. And we called it build it, see it, buy it. You could literally build it and it would appear. Whatever you wanted it to look like. And you couldn't make a mistake. Like you couldn't build the wrong thing. It was all built into it. And I can add components to it very, very quickly. So it was very versatile. It could grow with the company as they did more and more and more. Yeah. And then people would just buy these things from e-commerce. Well, First, they didn't trust us. Who are these guys? They're nobody. I don't know these guys. And then we started, somebody took a chance, somebody delivered, and we did it. And then there was also a kind of a fun part. All the directors in the company happen to have a hairdo like mine. Yeah. 
And when you put five guys in a magazine ad and all of them are bald or in a trade show, guess what? People notice. So we got ourselves <laughs> some attention and we had some fun because we're not afraid to laugh. Yeah. And we started doing this with a custom e-commerce system. Nowadays, e-commerce is like your ticket to the game. Yeah. If you don't have e-commerce, you know, you're really in trouble. But just because you have it, this ain't field of dreams. Yes. They won't necessarily come. You got to have a reason. And yeah. that's really where the real fun part of the story comes in. And that's why I really credit my friend Hank Bowen, because he had a philosophy of, you know, how do we run this business? And what was really easy to recognize is that, you know, when you're, I want to achieve two days, but when the components used to build this thing aren't available in two days, there's only one thing you can do. Yes. An awful lot of them. Yeah. And every CFO that might be listening to this this time just got to shiver down their spine because their inventory turns are going to suck. Yeah. Okay. But the proof is in the pudding. Because once you start growing the revenue, because you're doing something nobody else can do, even when they're trying to copy you, the revenue comes and the turns are less important. Mm -hmm. And so it's that piece. When your component lead time is longer, substantially longer than your end product lead time, you have to make up the difference with inventory, which mm -hmm. means an awful lot of planning, a tremendous amount of planning, unless you have a bunch of boat anchors and boxes. Yeah. So, and lo and behold, it worked they became the talk and the envy of the industry. Now they're still not a $75 million company. They're still yeah. small because they want to be. Yeah. But who are these guys? Five years ago, they were nobody. Yeah. Now all of a sudden everybody knows the bald guys and they want to buy from Coaxis and they're getting customers who are getting them hand over fist. Yes. And nobody, and they literally when competitor goes, we still can't figure out how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not giving it all away yeah. because that's not fair to my friend. Yeah, yeah. Do that. But there's still you, you recraft the entire business model to meet the need of the industry and the recognized need of the customer. The yes. recognized need of this customer is they're breaking stuff, losing stuff, and they forget stuff and they need them tomorrow. And they need them custom made. Mm -hmm. So you have to really understand what the heck they want to do and what their real challenges are. And and then just not be afraid to craft a solution that's kind of crazy and some kind of crazy sometimes look at amazon they're crazy like a fox man yeah yeah so. i mean what you, what you did though the the cool part about this is is when you saw the need in the industry and where other people would have looked at the component and said listen the lead time's too long uh we're not gonna be able to do it Okay, they could have yeah. stopped there. And then you would go, well, how how are we going to, are they going to send us an order and they're going to have to, then we're going to have to make sure the order is right. Well, it's not efficient enough because there's always going to be problems if somebody places an order that where they can make a mistake. So you eliminated you. I'm sure you had to sit there and look at it and go, okay, how the hell are we going to do this in two days? And you just looked at, okay, this is what it's at now. And I have to get rid of this problem, this problem, this problem. Mm -hmm. So kind of, not you don't have to share the intimate details, but kind of explain that because what what was the normal lead time for a custom product before that? The normal lead time could be twelve weeks. Yeah. See, so you went from twelve weeks to two days. Two days. Yeah. Now, now for us, don't get me wrong. We because of this operating model that we had, our our lead time was shorter, so we could do things in you know four weeks, two weeks. But as the product line grew, 
it required literally, it's literally billions of combinations of things you can build. Yeah. And it required a lot more parts. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to respond as the product line grows, which is really the challenge. Um, and, and it's not just about inventory. You know, if you think about it, what happens when someone gets an order? This is going to sound very familiar to people that are listening to this. I get the order. Sales reviews it. Sales checks it. It goes. It's handed off down the line. Sometimes engineering verifies it. And then, you know, and then engineering signs off it. And they hand it over to somebody who might enter the order. And then somebody might create a bill of material. Or maybe those things are reversed. And then it goes out to the shop floor. And then you have someone who's scheduling all this stuff. Not us. That just creates long lead time. Get all the barriers out of the way. And what happens is, I got news for you. This order, when the order came in, shipper knew about it. Production manager knew about it. And we created a number of manufacturing methods, procedures, and tools that I will not discuss. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That allowed them to respond long before any of that other stuff had to happen. Yeah. You have to eliminate non-value added operations too. That's it's exactly just about having parts. Yeah. You, you introduce because people they don't trust. Yes. And so if you trust your people, you train your people and you ha- empower them to do the work and then get out of their way, guess what happens? Yes. Really good stuff and you grow the business at a beautiful beautiful organic rate. Well, yeah, I mean, and this this is why it connects with me so much. I was I've had the opportunity to do this a couple of times as well in different industries and and taking something that we had was eight weeks lead time and we turned it into 10 business days. Not nearly as extreme as what you did with your product, but the 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 similar processes. Right. We couldn't we couldn't let that and. uh we couldn't let it go to engineering and have the engineers take three days to approve it. The designs had to be done ahead of time. And, and when you said all the components that went into the product had to be either standard components or they had to be something that we had right there, you know, you had to be able to pull out. And, and when you look at all this stuff, like you had to do, like you're saying, you don't have time for your product to go into a scheduling queue because you've got 47 million jobs ahead of it and you've got all this whip. I mean, you have to be building just in time, at least with your section that's making those products. Otherwise, you can't do it in two days because you got two days from wherever the actual operation gets done and where you start. Mm-hmm. And you just you the whole thing, the whole business has to re, be redesigned. So speed. And it's just like I, I just drop it right into the next slot or I or I've got a dedicated process to do it. And it and it's all the way through. You can't you can't buy stuff because you have no time. You can't get it there in two days. It has to be there. Yeah. And and when you look back upstream at the supply chain, you know, it all the stuff that you're talking about there is massive. It's very massive. And you have to know your components. You have to know your business and be, you know, truly a gifted um, expert. And the good yes. news is you can bestow the gift upon yourself. Just be interested and learn it. You have to. I mean, we we understood and understand machined parts at a, at a very detailed level. And I guess that's why this sales guy comes in and is able to help, you know, bring, you have the understanding of the roles in the supply chain. I was a CNC machinist. Yeah. I was an industrial engineer. 
you know, yeah. I understand eliminating non-value added operations. I understand how to create new process workflows. It's not just about, hey, the sales guy said we need this. It's about having a full vision of plan. Now, it doesn't take one guy. It wasn't one guy. We have no, a, no. a team of people. Okay. I'm just the bald guy who was the face of the company. I'm the one yeah. who had the biggest mouth. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, um, you know, but you have to embrace that and, and really be willing to take some risk and get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. But I mean, it's such a great example of where you can really <laughs> dominate your market with operations that just target and solve that market need that other people look at and go, oh, that's just a problem in our industry. Mm -hmm. Just a problem in our industry. That's just exactly a problem right in here. our industry. And when you look at it and you go, <laughs> it doesn't have to just be a problem in the industry. I mean, just, I mean, just pick any of the, any of these things. You just pick any of the companies that have, have sprung out of nowhere. And it might not be a good example, but something like the Uber or the Airbnb or some of these, that's like, <laughs> well, you know, it's just, you know, hotel rooms are hotel rooms. Well, people said, no, we can Airbnb and you can, have just about whatever experience you want. That's There's right. no reason it has to be in a hotel. And, you know, and just looking at things differently. But the thing that's interesting about this is that when you do something like this with a business, price becomes less important. That's right. It's important. Always. It's not, it's not as important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you've solved a problem that they're like sitting there going, I, this is really going to make things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what it creates is, you know, if there's so much focus on, you know, continuous improvement, lean thinking, um, and customer satisfaction. Yep. They're all great. I mean, industrial engineers, we were lean before they wrote the book in Japan, you know, yeah. so, but, and all that's great, but they, they create a sort of, in some ways they create a sort of rigidity and you have to be willing to let go and do some things that makes them shudder. And what you end up with is, you, well, you end up with customer satisfaction, but you end up with something even greater. I far prefer to look at customer loyalty. Mm -hmm. Customer satisfaction is a subset of loyalty. Yeah. It truly is. I wanna know that I've put the business in a place where the, the customers literally say, well, okay, this has gotta go out to three bids. Well, certainly we're gonna go to Coaxis, okay? But that's just happening. You guys yeah. pick the other two. Yeah. Okay. And, or better yet, no, they just <laughs> they just never let us down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and by the way, mistakes happen. Someone yeah. taught me, a fellow I used to work for, Dick Leibson, mistakes happen. Keep them small, fix them fast. And just fess up, man. <laughs> yeah. So just keep them small, fix them fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Mistakes to keep in. What you're saying though is that customer loyalty and and Andrew Deutsch says this a lot. He's he he does strategic marketing. He says you're creating voracious advocates for your brand because when yep. you're doing something that's memorable for them, it mm -hmm. it sticks. It sticks, mm -hmm. and it's like it it's like it's like brand loyalty to vehicles. You know, there's some people that will not switch <laughs> brand mm -hmm. just because that brand could could mm -hmm. be this crazy mm -hmm. could be just a feeling could be whatever but that that loyalty like that that you're never gonna go you know i'm a, i'm a gm person or i'm a ford person or whatever it is or, or mercedes doesn't really matter but the people that are that loyalty that you see in those people like that is what you're creating in a company where people would think how the hell are you doing that 
Yep. Yeah. And, and when you do create that loyalty, you do something really cool. You hire salespeople. Your customers become your salespeople, that advocate. And you yeah. know what you have to pay them? Nothing. They pay you for the privilege of advocating on your behalf because everybody wants other people to succeed and enjoy what they're enjoying. It's just yeah. true. I do it. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool, man. So what were some of the key things that you learned when, you know, cause it's not, I mean, this is, as you said, it takes a lot of people, it takes a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of pain in the ass work to get something like this going. But if someone was sitting here today, listening to this and said, Oh, that's great. But you know, <laughs> you know, the, you know, what do you think some of the things you learned? Everyone, everyone is Missouri. They're all the show me state. Boy, I hope I didn't mess that up. Pennsylvania, you know, the New Jersey, the Garden State. Yeah, I think it's the show me state. It is. Okay. Um, you got it. You explaining this stuff conceptually on a podcast is hard. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. People learn different ways. <laughs> they learn visually. They learn. You know, some are auditory learners. They just hear stuff and they get it. They're very. They're show offs, honestly. Um, and uh, kinesthetic where they got to experience it. So you come up with a concept, you've got to make it visual. You've got to, you know, and you have to have passion and, and really think things through so that it can become real for them. Mm -hmm. All right. And most importantly, then you have to win them over. And one of the greatest ways you can win them over is to brainstorm. And I have this saying I like to use. I like to, I, I like to give everyone permission to erase the whiteboard. You know, you've all been in those meetings. Everybody's they're drawing up on the right the whiteboard, and we're going to do things this way, and we're taking notes, and we're doing all that stuff. Everybody has to have permission to say, "Wait a minute, may I have permission to erase the whiteboard?" And what that says, let's drop all of our preconceived notions about everything that we think we are constrained by, and let's start over. Does that mean we're going to start over? No. It, we're only looking at a whiteboard, okay? We haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet. Mm -hmm. And when you get into that attitude, first, I mean, I did it once. I think it's best done over a round table, preferably with beer, because yeah. somebody will say something silly after about the second beer. Yeah. And it only takes one person to go, hey, you know what? You got something there. Maybe if we just tweak it this much, we can come up with something great. And I love that process. Oh, now, yeah. I'm an opinionated guy, okay, um, as many people who do such things and, you know, have direct yes. roles and things like that tend to be. You're very opinionated. Um, and, but I love that process. And I love to bring the other people's ideas and try and make them fruition. Sometimes you just let them do the idea because they came up with it. And I have been surprised that I have learned that sometimes when I thought, heck with it. I'm just going to let them do it. And we're like, oh, wow, they're awesome. And we love the idea. And it's happened. So you have to show it and you have to bring other people and you have to find a way to be able to bring them into the process. That's where that business process guy benefits from the skills of a salesman. Mm -hmm. Okay. Needs assessment, collaboration, you know, addressing multiple people in the team and that sort of thing. And again, it doesn't need to be one person. Yeah. yeah you yeah. bring your salesman in and let him ask all the crazy questions, right? He's used to doing that. And he likes it. Yeah, oh. that's true. 
That's yeah. true. That's cool though, because I think you hit you hit the one thing is or two things actually, and then I wrote down a couple. But um, permission to erase, mm-hmm. I like that because you you really have to be ready to start over. You do, and 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 to rethink it from the ground up. And when you do that though, and you do like you said, people sitting around a, a round table having a couple beers. And someone comes up with that one catalyst idea, and I'm not even using the right word, but that idea that just sparks it and said, if we do this, everything else falls in. And in theory of constraints, they call it a lever point or something like that. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. But you find that one thing and, you know, like the market problem obviously is a lever point. And then when you come into the business and you start doing that, there's, you know, a lever point or two that you hit those. And then you start asking people, okay, we have this, this idea that, that really got everyone else going. Then you start asking the question, okay, that's great. And someone will say, but, and, and if you stop there, everything stops where you say, okay, great. That's a, that's a problem. How do we solve that? And mm-hmm. then you just go, how do we solve that? And how do we solve that? And pretty soon as those things come away, no, what it's the, just the, just the crazy thing about it is what you can do. Like you, you've talked about your eight weeks or 12 weeks, whatever on your lead time down to two days. When you start looking at it, it's not, we can't do it because, but we need to do, what do we need to solve to do it? And mm-hmm. just start checking them off, checking them off, checking mm-hmm. them off. It's like mm-hmm. the the lead time and the, those those self imposed limitations just fall away. Mm-hmm. And well, you see, like you said, some of these people that you would never, you you may never think they they just start to just gravitate toward this. And the the collaboration and stuff is crazy cool when it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm and sorry, I'm bringing you back to Lehigh University, whether you like it or not. Um, so it's, but I'm not really, it's like a master's thesis or a PhD thesis, right? Yeah. You, you pose a a question. Okay. And then you create that argument. Okay. So in this case, the thesis was in my mind, how are we going to do this the way the customers want it? We're going to do it in two days better than anybody else. Okay. Now that's not very defined. I probably wouldn't get past kindergarten with that kind of thesis, but that's ultimately what we were trying to do. And we were never able to prove it wrong because we were just not afraid to continue to march toward that goal as a team, you know, and if someone went outside the lines, that was cool. It was our job as a team to bring them back in. And believe me, when I said we wanted to do this, there were some people, there were some bald guys were like, what? You're Not crazy. You're it, crazy. Yeah. And they became believers. Yeah. Now, we may not have, right? This is one success story, right? But so what if you don't fully succeed and you get 80% of the way there? That's just it. Touchdown. That's just it. It, it is. It is in that kind of thinking. And when you, when you get into an organization like that and you start doing this and, and, once you complete something like that, then that team feels like they can take on the world because they've done something that they never thought they were able to do. And, you know, what happens after that sometimes eclipses what you thought was crazy before just because 
they have that confidence. They've worked together through those tough decisions and, and, and things to, to really make something good. The next evolution of whatever they do can even be more powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're not growing, if you're not evolving, innovating, man, you're dying. You're dying. You're dying. That's good. I didn't invent that, but I surely believe it. Yeah, because it, because it's true. And, and when you see the teams do this and you and you work through it, um, it it's amazing. It's amazing. And the, and the thing that I always see when I talk to talk to people is, is, you know, they're saying, oh, I'm a CNC machining place, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, we just do it like everybody down the street. Okay, that's fine. What what you did, what you talked about in your example, example I did, was not a lot about the product. You made the oh, same no. product. No. It was it was not a lot about the the actual process of putting it together. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Sometimes you have to change a design or something. Mm-hmm. But it's it's how you did business around that that solve that market problem. So you can be a contract manufacturer and do things that solve a market problem. It can be as simple as I'm a contract manufacturer and I, I keep track of my customer's inventory. So they never have to place an order. I, Mm -hmm. I, they don't, they want five on the shelf at all times. And we check it every day electronically and it tells them they've got four. So I put another one on there the next day. That's, you know, the, that's, and that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff. So, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now because I think what you're doing now is awful cool too, and it kind of relates to this because you're helping people doing the same kind of thing in their own organizations, but helping them with their their uh, inventory and warehousing solutions. Yeah. So um, we we basically we provide mobile um, wearable computing solutions and barcode scanners to warehouses. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I sell cell phones. Yeah, but I don't sell cell phones. This is not the iPhone you get down at the Apple store. This is not the Samsung phone that you get at the Costco or the Best Buy. This is a ruggedized device. It's very purpose built. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this passes military standard ruggedization um, and impact tests. Um, because it's being used in a warehouse. And if I'm getting off a forklift and I drop that thing onto a concrete floor, you know, um, that's no good, but that's that's not really what we do. Yeah. You know, we run a video where we demonstrate these things. And at the end of the video, it says, you know, we're scanning and we actually improve the process. And that's where the similarity to the stories that we've been talking about to what I do really comes in. Now I'm not a smartphone guy. I don't sell this. I sell time. I sell time saved. I sell accuracy improvements. I sell safety. I sell user experience for their workers. And and I help them to alleviate issues with their labor. You know, there's a labor shortage now for a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons. And I've been into a customer where the manager of the warehouse said, I've got some of my best people. They actually work in, they have two jobs one at the warehouse up the street and one for me. God bless them. They're working really, really hard. And guess what? They're comparing life in this job and this job. Can Mm -hmm. I make more money? Is it more enjoyable? So this dumb cell phone, and there's nothing dumb about it. I love Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. If it's the very best experience for that worker in one job 
Okay, they're going to have an easier time retaining and getting the best employees. And if they go over to an antiquated system with paper, okay, they're not even going to be interested. Not only that, because the the quantity and the velocity of products through the supply chain has increased so dramatically, they've, you know, compensation systems have graduated to incentive compensation, and the best workers can get make fifty percent more money. Wow. Well, they're looking at the tools that are going to allow them to make more money. Yeah. So we're not selling smartphones. We're selling problems to their throughput yeah. and their labor and getting the best people in a sense. So it's really about understanding again, it's what is the customer's challenges? What are they going through? Okay. Now, what do these things do with these barcode scanners? This has got a barcode scanner and you know, it's, going to scan from a very long distance, happens to be made by a company called Honeywell, tiny little company with the best scan engine in the world, you know, but they do these things and it enables them to communicate real time with their warehouse management system or their ERP. Okay. And it's wearable. You know, formerly you have these big hand, they're yeah. going to handle, a lot of people have actually seen them, believe it or not, a lot of people would recognize them and they do that and they punch in with the buttons and they scan and then they put it down and then they pick something up and they move it and then they go, oh, wait a minute, it's back here and they go back four feet because they set it down over here and then they pick it up and they push the buttons and they scan and they put it down. But when you go to wearable, man, and I'm just putting it on the palm, if you put it on the back of your hand, you use a scanner, it's mounted to the back of your wrist. These stay free all day long. Your focus is there. Okay. And when I'm not distracted, I'm less likely to get hurt. I'm less likely to miss a mistake, to make a mistake. I'm less likely to scan the wrong bin, like the ones behind me here. Oops. Okay. I'm less likely to count. But again, I'm just talking about the hardware. Yes. Okay. Like the last one, I was making RF cables and we designed a software system that allowed the customers to be self-sufficient. In this case, we want to make that user experience as amazing as possible. All those things I talked about. Well, what if you only have to push the button once instead of four times? Mm -hmm. Well, we take that software interface and we remove those buttons. And we basically cut that particular piece of time by 75%. Yeah. Multiplied by 25,000 transactions a day in a busy place yeah well that adds up to hours but you have to understand the process you have to go be able to go into a warehouse understand one what are the systems that they're using how do they work what's typical what do they typically see what's the equipment that they typically use and what's their biggest struggle their biggest struggle is they can't get the workers they can't get the throughput they have they make very little in terms of margin every penny matters mm-hmm and so you have to have a deep understanding of what that market and what those individual users. And by the way, when you can get these into the hand with the proper interface, okay, into the warehouse worker's hands, they go, yeah, this is what I got to have. Okay. Why? Because they're already used to the cell phone. Yes. You know, I can pull out my iPhone, right? And they're used to the iPhone. Well, this is the same thing. My mom uses one of these things. So she's not going to care if she has to use one in the workplace. It's mm -hmm. familiar. And they love this stuff. But you have to have a very deep understanding. Who would talk about labor in the context of a freaking, you know, cell phone computer? 
but that is a real problem and you have to understand it. and that's one of the biggest problems we're solving right now is labor and that is yeah. nearly a direct quote from one of our customers yeah so. it is amazing though like you said you're you're when you look at operations and you look at the market challenges, there are, there are, and I, I like your example, you know, all the examples, right? Really, but you're just doing what you did, not just, but you're doing what you did before in a different setting with a different type set of tools, applying the same principles. And yes. the, the thing that's so cool about that is, is that a, you're doing it. I think it's awesome what you're doing with ProSensus. And I think that, people that are listening to this need to understand that your their industry is not so bland that they can't do this. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you're a mm -hmm. doctor. I don't care if you're running a manufacturing company. There are things that you can do with the way that you run your business and how you do the things you do that can drastically set you apart from, like you said, efficiency standpoint here that we're talking about mm -hmm. in warehouse operations by understanding all the little steps that go into doing what you do. Mm -hmm. and doing them all better or mm -hmm. picking this section and doing them drastically better. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a guy today. Um, it's our finance leasing partner who was sitting at my desk and he was trying to, you know, and he doesn't have widgets to move. Okay. It's purely a very, I mean, we are, a, we are a service organization and, a, and we handle product, right? So we, have, mm -hmm. the last company was just product. This guy is straight up service. That's all he does. He helps folks to finance this equipment that we do. And he wants to make his presentations better, you know? So I, I said, well, yeah, if you want to be different and you want to be noticed, well then, yeah, sure. You can totally do that. Okay. You can make yourself, you know, so much better just by mm -hmm. doing a little work, you know, and you can wow people even in your business, you know, and then oh, and you can do all kinds of neat stuff. Now, this isn't the time for me to show that stuff off. But that's the way this conversation went. It doesn't matter what your business is. You've got to find a way to innovate so that you mm -hmm. can be noticed, you can be memorable, and you can deliver in a way that really satisfies the customers. Yes. Yes. And that's that's 100% it. It just, the, the ways, when you look at a business from the customer point of view, Mm -hmm. And how it would be much better only if they did, if they could do this as well mm -hmm. and, or deliver it that way or do, you know, it, it is a game changer. It's just a game changer. I don't know yeah. how else to say it, but that. Mm -hmm. And a little so, name drop again to Andrew Deutsch, who, you know, helped kick me along with this little thing I just did on the screen. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. His video, his video stuff is, is nuts. I'm still trying to get it. I'm, I'm yeah. closer, but I'm still trying to get it, but it's great stuff. Well, Chuck, it's been awesome talking to you today, man. It is, I, I am so excited when I get to talk to somebody that really has understand and gone through the process of, of dominating their market by solving an industry need, by changing their business operations to focus on that. And really, as you said, creating, uh, um, advocates for their brand raving fans and and really solving some market problems so um if people want to get a hold of you though i always like to make sure that if somebody wants to talk to you about about this or or something else what's the best way to get a hold of you uh the best way to get a hold of me you want to you can get straight to me on linkedin i've got a wide open nice. profile chuck nice. cox said um i am very open to connections and i actually like to talk to people 
Um, yeah. See how I can help them. I'm not out to sell you anything, honestly. That's just not me. You can also learn about ProCensus at ProCensus.com. Um, and, um, you know, but honestly, behind that, we're all just people. And it's right back to talking to people. And that's the best way to learn. Yeah. One to one. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, Chuck, I, I'm just so I'm so appreciative of you stopping by. And I mean, I think your examples of of coaxis and then here now for a census and just understanding that customer's needs and then just streamlining your business to meet those needs is such a key ingredient that we can all practice. Thank you so, so much. You bet. Have a great day. Everyone else, thanks again for joining us. We will be back again next Tuesday with more guests talking about I don't know, but I'm sure it'll be something interesting because as I usually do, I've completely forgotten what next week holds. And that's what happens when you're a calendar zombie. So thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks, Chuck. We'll be back again. Thanks, Take care.